This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as proud as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making our truth journey a reality. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to all segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. And to purchase MMS or any of our seasons on our futuristic metal-cased USB drives with lots of bonus material, visit our Veritas store. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. The myth of oil scarcity has allowed four giant corporations, along with a handful of Wall Street banks, to control the world's largest and most essential commodity, oil. The myth originated in the 1950s from a geologist at Royal Dutch Shell. It was revived in 2003, in time for the U.S. invasion of Iraq. The reality is quite different from claims of peak oil. The world is running into oil and not running out of oil. Oil does not come from the accumulation of algae, plankton, or dinosaur remains. In fact, Russian researchers over decades of testing and observation, concluded that oil fields do not die. They constantly renew themselves. 
we are told otherwise, to perpetuate the scarcity myth, which keeps the price of oil high. The wars in Africa, the Arab Spring, Iraq, are all to maintain a lock-grip control of the world's known oil fields. The myth of scarcity has been a pillar of their power, and in fact of the power projection of the United States as sole superpower. As Henry Kissinger said, if you control the oil, you control entire nations. The opposite is also true. If oil cannot be controlled, the controlling powers lose their control over other nations and the wars that go with it. The dollar financial system of Wall Street was born not at a conference in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire in 1944. It was born in the first days of August 1945 with the dropping of the atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. After that point, the world was in no doubt of who was the power to reckon with. Tonight, we will trace the history of money as an instrument of power and trace the evolution of that power in the hands of a tiny elite that regards themselves as, quite literally, gods. We will discuss how this group of psychopaths abuse their power and how they systematically set out to control the entire world. We will also discuss how a small socio-political American elite seeks to establish its control over the very basis of human survival, the provision of our daily bread. Control the food and you control the people. There is a world of profit-driven political intrigue, government corruption and coercion, where genetic manipulation and the patenting of life forms are used to gain worldwide control over food production. If you want to believe the mainstream media, stop this audio now. To know the truth about oil, money, and the seeds of destruction, don't go anywhere. F. William Engdahl is tonight's special guest. Coming up, right now, on Veritas. This is Dr. John Coleman, and you're listening to Veritas Radio. F. William Engdahl is one of the more widely discussed analysts of current political and economic developments. In addition to discussing oil, geopolitics, and energy issues, he has written on issues of agriculture, GATT, WTO, IMF, energy, politics, and economics for more than 30 years, beginning with the first oil shock and world grain crisis in the early 1970s. He is the author of many books translated into 11 foreign languages, including Full Spectrum Dominance, Seats of Destruction, A Century of War, Gods of Money, and the most recent, Myths, Lies, and Oil Wars. William Engdahl tries to shed light on various dark corners so that ordinary people will get an idea of what has been done to us and how to act accordingly. And to learn more about F. William Engdahl and his work, visit his website at William Engdahl, that's E-N-G-D-A-H-L dot com, which is also linked on ours. And directly from Frankfurt, Germany, I'm honored to welcome for the first time on Veritas, F. William Engdahl. Hello, Mr. Engdahl. Welcome. How are you? Thank you, Mel, for having me. I'm quite fine. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And I was telling you offline, uh, may I call you William, by the way? Please, yeah. Thank you. I have to tell you that in the next two hours, I'm probably going to have to compress 
what would take maybe not one, but a few semesters in, in, at the university because for the first time I've been exposed to your work and I have to tell you, I don't know why I haven't been exposed to you, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of our listeners would want definitely to want these books on their libraries because the information that you discuss is history. It fills a lot of the, the dots and we'll try to do as best we can tonight. First, I have to ask you, what made you disillusioned with how things are run in, in this world? Is this what motivated you to start researching all of this? Well, I suppose it uh, started, if you want to really go back, uh, I'm of the generation that uh, went to university during the Vietnam War. And that had a profound effect on me. I, I uh, got out of college and went to work for uh, Lyndon Johnson's so-called War on Poverty. It was a sham. It was a, a, a kind of a ghetto removal project, if you will, uh, to open the door for gentrification of, of certain urban areas. But uh, the Vietnam War was really the thing that uh, that uh, most uh, affected me in, in those days. And from there, I went uh, as a graduate student, uh, leaving some steps in between now, uh, several years of work. I went, uh, decided to go to Sweden uh, to study international politics at the University of Stockholm. And there I met refugees, political uh, asylum seekers and so from all over the world, from uh, Africa, from Brazil, from uh, different parts. And as, as you do when you, when you have the luxury of being a student, you sit around and, and talk about uh, world politics and what's going on and so forth. So that uh, that kind of deepened my uh, uh, thoughts in this direction. And as I said, there are many books that you've written, and I spend time reading the, the latest one, uh, Myths, Lies, and Oil Wars. And this is such a, a big history for people to, to know. But I have to ask you from the beginning. In the United States, we have this notion, always support our troops. I'm one of those that respects what the military does and our volunteer soldiers do. However, there's something in me that says that they're being used as pawns in a chess game being played by psychopaths. How yeah. can more of the mainstream people get it? Well, uh, that's the reason I write, write my books uh, the way I do. I write them for the mainstream people that they can uh, understand what's affecting their lives. Uh, uh, let me just give an anecdote. I live in an area where there are a number of uh, senior military personnel coming through on their way back from Afghanistan, Iraq, and other theaters. And uh, they pass through uh, the Frankfurt area on their way to next assignment. Sure. And uh, sometimes I have the occasion over a glass of beer at, at uh, uh, one of my favorite local pubs. To, to chat a little bit, and they ask me what I think about the world and this and that, and I tell them quite honestly. Uh, and almost invariably, and these are these are sometimes very senior colonel rank and 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 so forth people, and they say I couldn't agree with you more. So they realize that they're being used as cannon fodder. They have military pensions at stake. They have family. Uh, many of them joined the military because. Uh, uh, 15 or so years ago, that was a, a golden path to a career where the government would finance your university education, your skills trainings, and so forth, and you'd serve 
three or four years in a peaceful area and then, and then suddenly comes 9-11 and you're uh, getting your head shot off or all sorts of things. So it's no longer the, the, the dream job it, it used to be 15 years ago. But uh, I think it's uh, they realize, many of them, the intelligent ones, that they're being used as cannon fodder. And see, that's the issue. Even some of our listeners are military, and they write to me, and they say, look, I've been here for two, three, four years, a few tours in the Middle East, and I'm waking up. However, I have a pension, benefits, education waiting for me. I have a family. I don't know how to get out without having all of this jeopardized. What do you tell them? Yeah, well, that's that's the dilemma you've got to resolve in your conscience as a, as a moral human being. I can't tell you how to resolve it. And now, for a long time, let's let's talk about China for a second, because I think this is where the resources are going now. We've had this symbiotic relationship between the United States and China, but I find it hypocritical that the biggest capitalist country in the world borrows so much money from the biggest communist country in the world. How do you reconcile that? <laughs> uh, you take the money where you can get it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, uh, it's not the, well, the U.S. government uh, finances, ironically, it finances its wars that are ultimately wars in Africa and Afghanistan and Iraq directed against China. Those wars are aimed at controlling the future oil supplies supply pipelines of, of China in order to control the Chinese economic growth and make sure it stays on the program that Washington wants. So uh, uh, that uh, you can perfectly well, perfectly well understand why Washington and Wall Street uh, do that. Uh, the other thing is that it's not the United States as, as a people. And so it's the multinational corporations and the Wall Street banks, which are using China as the world's cheapest labor pool, exploiting that to the hilt and uh, taking the profits out of China back uh, to offshore centers in uh, the Canary Islands or wherever they, uh, they do their accounting. And we'll discuss the Jasmine Revolution and the Arab Spring because I think a lot of this has nothing to do about the Middle East. It's all about China. But since you, you mentioned China as the global sweatshop, what happens when China starts shedding the sweatshop image and starts developing and, and patenting their own technology? Will they pose a threat to the United States? Well, that's already happening, Mel. It's, uh, it's been going on now for about uh, three, four years. The, the government in their, in their latest five-year plan has a conscious shifting. It's very much modeled on what Japan did after the Second World War when the Japanese economic miracle uh, kicked in in the, in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, they Chinese started out with the, uh, the cheapest of, of uh, manual labor goods, toys, and things like that uh, that they can uh, export on the world market. And now they're going from these uh, low labor value input items into production of uh, high value added uh, goods, you know, electronics, uh, sophisticated equipment, earth digging equipment, and so forth. And, uh, and that's a conscious part of the plan. So, uh, uh, for example, the Chinese make uh, the world's most inexpensive and most efficient for the price solar panels that have put the Obama's favored solar panel companies in the U.S. virtually out of business and mm -hmm. the Europeans as well. So they're doing that. They're doing this in, in one area after the other. 
that's already underway. They're also uh, hoarding the rare earth metals needed for computers and cell phones. What happens if the scales tip to the point that we are so dependent on this from China? Well, uh, there are other sources of rare earth metals, including Afghanistan, which perhaps is one of the reasons why the Pentagon says we're not leaving, (laughs) even though the official propaganda makes it sound like the U.S. is taking its troops out of Afghanistan next year. Uh, And it's also one reason that the Pentagon says the war against terror is going to go on for another 10 to 20 years. I don't know if people picked up on that in the uh, congressional testimony of the assistant uh, 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 defense secretary recently, but it's uh, uh, the uh, so there are other countries which have these rare earth metals. But the uh, the fact is, for the moment, you, the Pentagon uh, military equipment production in the U.S. is dependent on certain rare earth metals that come from China. Speaking of Iraq, as you know, the, the U.S. embassy there is going to be the size of a, of a small city. But here in the Western world, the, the biggest U.S. Embassy right now is in El Salvador, and it's going to be probably overshadowed by the one that's being built in Haiti, the biggest one in the Western world, in the poorest country in the Western world. Why? Do you know? I think the short answer is oil. Haiti? Haiti. Huh. Haiti is swimming in oil. That's my estimation, and I've talked with Russian uh, geophysicists who uh, analyze the earthquake events around Haiti, and they said that entire area of the Caribbean is one of the most tectonically active areas on the planet, and where you have that kind of tectonic activity, invariably you're going to find oil. And one reason I think that uh, the U.S. administration sent in 20,000 U.S. troops right after the earthquake was not humanitarian relief. They didn't do any of that. It was to seal off the area in the Port-au-Prince area uh, in Haiti where, where the oil through the earthquake was seeping to the surface to keep that uh, from being known, keep, keep the Haitian people from being able to develop their own resources, keep a bunch of uh, uh, puppet uh, compradors in there as, as so-called uh, political leaders that are uh, owe their... Uh, job to the New York Times and, and to uh, the Obama administration so uh, so that the Haitian people uh, uh, can't have any national development of their own resources. So it's to keep the oil off the market, I think. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> the Haitians have been saddled with all the debt for hundreds of years with France, and now if this finding comes along... Of course, we wouldn't want them to nationalize uh, the, the oil and become independent and, and not dependent on what we can do for them. Yeah. Yeah. Ask Bill Clinton why he's uh, so involved in Haiti with George Soros and people like that. It's not, I venture, because of his charitable, good-hearted inclinations to help the Haitian people. In fact, Haitians that I know that I'm in regular contact with say it's quite the opposite. He's He's there to work with uh, American multinationals to set up uh, slave labor shops in Haiti uh, using the cheap labor there under desperate circumstances. But uh, that's only part of it. That's not why the U.S. is building such a military compound in Haiti. 
You mentioned something interesting, the labor market in, in this part of the world. We have to depend on China because they have low labor costs, but the expensive part for us here is the the shipping costs and the time it takes for them to... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.